0: Welcome to the Lost Roman Heroes Podcast. My name is Matthew. And we're being joined by your co-host, Mateo. (laughs) Okay everyone Matteo's is digesting a burger right now so if he sounds a little food delirious he is it was a big burger but hang in there little buddy we can do this together this is the lost roman heroes podcast and together we're diving deep into the history of rome from its founding to its death uncovering rome's greatest heroes along the way and we are ranking them and in this episode we're going to focus on Cincinnatus, somebody Matteo, that I know you've been looking forward to for a little while. yeah, he's one of my personal favorites for sure for sure <laughs> he's you know what me too, and I think we're going to learn some new things about him in the episode today, but before we get going, we have some corrections and apologies. This is a new section in the podcast. It's not going to be long, but we need to set the record straight, Mateo. I don't know if you're going to be in agreement with me on all this stuff, but let's jump in. All right. First, and most importantly, I would like to change my ranking on LJ Brutus, Lucius Junius Brutus. All right? Great episode. We were both very impressed with the guy. And yet, I've been thinking a lot about, Mateo, what we, how we ranked him. And I feel like I there was some great inflation for me. You don't need to change your ranking, but I just want to remind you of how we ranked him. Okay, we gave him a 61.5, excuse me, sorry. Yeah, 61.5, which was, no, we gave him actually a 79 because you you and I both ranked him extremely high on military and on the coolness factor. And I want to change my score. You don't need to change yours, but I'm just saying, in military, I had ranked him a seven, I want to rank him a three. And I want to rank him a three because we know of one battle he fought, and he died in that battle. He may have been bold, he may have been brave, he may have killed his enemy, but he himself was killed. It's the only battle we really know of that he fought in. And so even though I think he probably did more things that weren't captured in the historical record, the reality is what we know, he died. In one battle, in which he led the cavalry, so I'm giving him a three. That's true. You can keep him at a nine, which no, is. I guess fine. I'd lower my score to.
1: To what? Maybe to a five, but I'd keep my cool factor. I don't know why. Okay, fine. Should, I don't okay, know why you fine. changed your cool okay. factor. Okay,
0: so Mateo's going to a five. I'm going to a three. I'm telling you why I'm going to change the cool factor a little bit, because he just seemed like a very uptight dude, uh, and uh, I think about other heroes that I consider cool. And he was a little, he feels a little calculated to me, like a little, I don't know. I, I had ranked him a seven previously in cool. You ranked him a seven and a half. I'm going down to a four because I think he was very effective. I think he did remarkable things. But is he this guy that I'm saying, man, I want to hang out with this guy because he is cool. I, just, not, I That's I don't not feel what I that. mean by cool. What, what do you mean by cool? I mean... Making, like, an oath to
1: uh, avenge his friend's wife while holding a bleeding dagger. Like, that's pretty cool. That is cool. killing himself with his cousin. I agree. Like, them killing each other. That's like out of a movie.
0: Okay. All right. You convinced me. I'm going back to seven. So, there's a new score for LJ Brutus. LJ, you're a 76% right now, which is a 60.5. You're still in the lead because Romulus got a 50 and Aeneas got a 46 But I feel much better about this court, thank you. And he's still in the Hall of Heroes. He's the only guy in the Hall of Heroes. Okay, cool. Correction done on L.J. Brutus. Correction number two. Mateo, in the last episode, you said that there was one dictator. And I I agreed. It was at the the end of a long episode. I was slightly delirious. The truth is that there were many more dictators than one dictator. And we're gonna talk more about dictators in this episode. I just wanted to make a correction, audience. There was more than one dictator in the history of Rome. It wasn't just Julius Caesar. Well, I guess like, I mean, I guess like, Mark
1: Antony, could have, like there was like little dictators, but I mean, like the whole,
0: I guess I didn't know. I'm wrong. i yeah. admit when you're wrong. And, and you know what? Uh, I learned more about it researching this episode, so we'll get into it. Uh, and that, two apologies before we move on. Number one, we received feedback Uh, from your mother that I was spending a lot of time talking about a map that nobody could see. So in the future, when we mention maps, I'm not going to harp on it and dwell on it and talk about it uh, uh, when nobody else can see it. So, so sorry about that. We wasted precious seconds. And finally, apology, the last episode was too long. It was almost an hour. It was actually a little bit more than an hour.
1: We have to keep it a little more...
0: Short. i think well let's try to target 45 minutes and if there's too much material there's too much material but i mean we could do like 30 to 45 and there's way too much to talk about still we could just do like two episodes yeah i good point i actually think that there will be some 20 30 minute episodes because people are heroes but we don't know much about them but let's shoot for 45 minutes and as you said if there's somebody that is so unbelievable where we have so much history to talk about, we can always stretch it to two episodes. That's that's not a big deal. Okay, that's it for the corrections and apologies. Let's move on to Cincinnati, and let's start, as we always do, with the historical context. First of all, we orient ourselves on the map and in history. Okay, in the map, I'm just going to say we're still in the city of Rome. I'm not going to talk about the map. The year is 518 BC. Mateo the last episode on lj brutus was 508 bc so we're starting 10, ten years, years before. before yeah 10 years before so cincinnatus the candidate for hero in this episode is a little bit younger than lj brutus he was 10 years old when all the craziness went down when lj brutus expelled the last king of rome mm-hmm. and cincinnatus's full name is lucius Quintius Cincinnatus. A lot
1: of Luciuses.
0: There are a lot of Luciuses, and I heard somebody the other day in another podcast pronounce Lucius as Lucas. I'm not going to do that. It doesn't sound right to me. It doesn't sound right to me either. Lucius sounds better. So let's go with Lucius. So he was born in the last decade of the Roman monarchy in 518 BC. Cincinnatus means curly haired. Really? I'm a Cincinnati son. You are a Cincinnatus. And so are you. Mateo Storm Cincinnatus. Yeah, right. <laughs> so so and I am too. So Cincinnati's family, the Quintius family or gens, was from Alba Longa. You remember Alba Longa, right? Naturally. Naturally. We've only mentioned it in every episode so far. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So the family was from Alba Longa. And they were moved to Rome by the third king of Rome, Tullus Hostilius, about 150 years before Cincinnatus was born. That's nice. Not certain why he moved them. Maybe he liked them, wanted them nearby. Uh, I'd like to think that it was the gesture of a friend. Why Oprah? Because she gives things out for free. (laughs) She's very charitable. I don't know. Uh, Maybe King... (laughs) I'm, f- I'm hearing the burger talking right now as you're trying to digest. Leave me alone. So the Quintius family, by the way, the, it was a big family then, and this family was still producing prominent generals and poets and politicians in the early imperial period. So they were around for a very long time. So Cincinnatus was born in 518 or 519, about 10 years before LJ ejected Tarquinia Superbus from Rome. We don't know a ton about his early years. In fact, we know very little, other than the fact that he was a member of this patrician family. Uh, and on the on the subject of patricians, remember, Matteo, we had patricians, which were sort of the upper class, the nobles, and then we had the plebeians, who were everybody else. Right. And back in these days, only patricians could be consuls. So remember, the first two consuls were our buddy LJ and Mm Calatinas, and for decades only patricians could serve in that post, uh, which was invented by LJ when Cincinnatus was 10 years old. So we know that he was a privileged kid, he was born to a very noble and wealthy family, he was probably very well connected, we don't know a lot else. We know that at some point along the way he married a woman named Rasila, and we know that he had at least one son. Whose name was? <laughs> queso. His name was very <laughs> laughing. His name was Queso, which uh, means cheese in, in Spanish. So, he had one son named Cheese, and we <laughs> basically we, We're we Mexicans. He's a, yeah. <laughs> Oye, queso. Yeah, I like that. So, that's all we know pretty much until the time the guy turned sixty years old, and what happened when he turned sixty? Well, there was trouble brewing in Rome in 462 BC. So remember, 508 was the year in which LJ expelled the last king of Rome, and then Rome became a republic. And in 462, this young republic was in trouble for a couple of reasons. First of all, we had internal dissent. The patricians, sort the, of the nobles, the wealthy, the landed, were... In conflict with the plebeians the plebeians or the plebs they wanted more power they wanted a more larger say in government and they wanted to change the law so that they would be under the law more equal to the patricians the patricians as you can imagine uh, this is a, a tale as old as time did not want to give up power to the dirty you know ruffians in the street who'd have thought surprise surprise and surprise, surprise, violence erupted between the two groups. And Rome's enemies started to notice that Rome was having internal problems and they started to circle. You could imagine. The wolves were circling the city of Rome. Yeah. And one of the leaders of the groups of the patricians that were pushing back against the plebs and didn't want to give them a penny more was our friend, the Mexican. Queso. Queso! Damn. Son of Cincinnatus. We don't want to give these dirty plebs any more than they deserve. And so Queso, the Mexican, started organizing gangs to rough up the plebs and keep them out of the forums. They couldn't gather and organize and fight the patricians. So legal charges were brought against Queso, and he actually fled the city to Etruria. Wait, why were legal charges brought up against him? Because I, I think, I think that he was breaking the law he was organizing gangs of mercenaries to beat up roman citizens oh. and somebody complained and was brought before a magistrate and and charges were filed okay yeah so trario he went north he went north queso okay, the mexican fled north at this time was trario part of the roman republic or was it it, it was, it was, was not separate? yet yeah it, it was still was from latium right only Rome was Latium, so they were Rome and South, and North of Rome was still a uh, powerhouse, which were the Etruscans, which were pushing back on the expansion of Roman power. So that's where Caso found shelter. Caso's ejection from Rome did not stop the trouble, and in fact, turmoil continued. A couple of years later, LJ's old friend, remember LJ's friend, Publius Valerius Poplica, he was Publius Valerius became the third consul when oh yeah Right. so he was killed in a riot by the plebs one of the OGs one of the OGs was killed and Cincinnatus was called on then as a general to come into the city and try to end the rebellion and and he did, he came in he tried to calm things down probably had some people arrested and then he went back to his farm that's the first mention we have of Cincinnatus, but it's not his grand debut. At the same time as Cincinnatus did this favor for the Senate to come restore civil order, the Romans were fighting another tribe, a Latin tribe, I believe, called the Aqui. Would you pronounce it that way? Um, Aqui? Aqui, Aqui. Aqui? Aqui. What, what do you want to go with? Aqui. Aqui. Okay. The Romans were fighting the Aequi, and they were a nearby Italic tribe. And if you go to our website, which is www.lostromans.com, you're going to see a map. And, Mateo, I'm going to show you the map here. You're going to see a map. I'm not going to talk about the map too much, but that shows the location of the Aequi to the city of Rome. And you can see it's pretty close.
1: Oh, Yeah. Just on the mountain range.
0: Yeah, other, yeah, kind of climbing up into the mountains. This is maybe like a couple hours on horseback. Very close. So the Aequi were vicious or very effective in the field, and they were starting to get the upper hand. So the Roman army was sent out to fight the Aequi under one of the two consuls at the time, which was the consul Minicius and he was surrounded by the enemy in the alban hills and the alban hills is the area east of rome where the Aequi had their uh territory home homeland and the army was completely surrounded things looked dire it looked like the roman army could potentially be completely devastated uh, annihilated by the Aequi. but a few roman horsemen managed to escape Matteo, and they rode to rome and they warned the senate of the disaster that was about to befall them. Now, one of the things I didn't understand about this is there were two consuls at the time. One was Minicius, who was out there being surrounded and on the verge of utter destruction. The other consul's name was G. Nautilus Rutilus, And for some reason, he was out there with his own army and yet he couldn't help the main army and he sort of uh, somehow wound up scampering back to Rome as well. So hmm. the Senate called an emergency session. Fishy, very weird, yeah, right? I couldn't figure out why. But the Senate saw that the very Republic was, at, was fighting for its life, and it called an emergency session, and it decided to appoint one man as dictator. Oh, yeah, it's true that that was... Um, I forgot about that. I, yeah. I feel like an idiot
1: that it was like a six-month like emergency dictatorship. Exactly. That's what they gave to
0: Julius Caesar. They gave it to him, right? They did give it to Caesar, but to many people before him as well. And I feel like an idiot too, because when we talked about it last week, it just didn't pop into my head. It's rudimentary. So let's talk about this thing. But anyways, they appointed Cincinnati as dictator for six months. So what was a dictator? A dictator, as you just said, received the full powers of the state for the purpose of resolving a specific issue. And just one issue. These were not broad powers. These were not for six months, you can do whatever you want. No, 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 no. For six months, you have all the power you need to fix a problem that Rome is confronted with. And during that period of time, a dictator was still sort of controlled and accountable to the Senate. Um, and his power was strictly limited to focusing on the problem at hand. And this is something kind of cool, by the way. It reminded us, reminded us, reminded me of recent U.S. history. Dictators could be prosecuted after their dictatorship was up if they were naughty.
1: Hmm.
0: Does that remind you of something or someone? We're not going to uh, talk about politics. Yeah, let not, not, not going to politics. Okay, <laughs> sorry, that was, just, that was a leading question. I apologize. <laughs> Come on, man. You're to me <laughs> up. I'm sorry, I'm I sorry. need to go to college. No, 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 you're right. You need to go to college. No politics, or at least no current politics here. So, a dictator could be nominated for the dictatorship for very specific reasons. And those reasons were as follows. Ray Jarundi Casa. That's for military emergencies. Or comitorium habendorum causa, which means you could nominate a dictator to hold elections. You could nominate dictators for uh, clavi fegendi causa, which is for a very specific religious reason. They could be named to quell sedition, to establish a religious holiday, to hold the Roman games, for special investigations, or in one very unique instance, to appoint senators. So you could have a dictator appoint senators, which they did after the Battle of Cannae, when most of the Senate was completely wiped out in the Second Punic War. We're going to talk about that. So, dictators have always been around, Mateo. You and I were both wrong. We spaced out last week. I think we were a little tired. But they've been around since the earliest earliest days of the Republic. They would exist until the Second Punic War, and they would return again with two guys, Sulla, and Caesar, and then never again. So that's a little note about dictatorship. So back to Cincinnatus now and the war versus the Acquis. So the Senate decided to appoint Cincinnatus as dictator. But guess what? What? Cincinnatus didn't know. Why? Because he wasn't present at the meeting? He was not present at the meeting. He was in the city of... uh, Not the city of Rome. He, He was on his farm. He was plowing. So the Senate... You can imagine these guys extremely panicky. They have a good, maybe sort of a cushy life. They feel that it might be coming to an end. They need Cincinnatus. And they sent a senatorial delegation out to Cincinnati's farm to tell him the good news. <laughs> when C- Cincinnatus saw them walking across the field, he said, hey, boys, is everything all right? And the senators responded, <laughs> this is a great response. Politicians are always politicians. They responded, "We hope that the situation will turn out well for the Republic and for you." <laughs> that was, that was, that was, and then they told him, "Good news, we've declared you a dictator." Now, this is crazy. Cincinnatus at this point was 60 years old, six- zero. Back then, that's like, you're basically 90 back then. He's ancient. He's ancient. And it, it also makes me think about this hole in history. For the Senate to have declared this guy dictator, he must have been truly exceptional. He must have accomplished remarkable things. For sure. Which we'll never know. Which we'll never know, because what we know of Cincinnati essentially begins right now. The Senate shows up on the farm. He puts down the plow. He's told that he's a dictator. And Cincinnati accepted the appointment, whereupon he called to his wife and said, Please bring me my toga. He was naked? <laughs> no, he wasn't naked, but oh. he, was really, he was probably wearing a pair of shorts and, and like a work shirt. But he said, please bring me my best white toga. Wife went into the house, came out with a white toga. Uh, I don't know if he bathed or he just threw it on top. Mm. And he said, okay, let's go. I'm ready to go to Rome and accept the appointment. So they surrounded him with bodyguards. And the delegation, the, the, the ambassadors from the Senate and Cincinnati's returned to Rome. And when he got there, he went right away to the field of Mars, Campus Martius. Ooh, yeah! He mustered some men to start mustering the men. He called upon all able-bodied Roman men, everybody that was old enough to serve, to appear that same day. And he appointed someone, perhaps a friend or a colleague, whose name was Lucius Tarucius, Tarucius, Lucius Tarucius, oh. That's I don't know. I'm gonna go with Taricius. Whatever happened in queso. As I don't know queso. <laughs> he never has mentioned it again. I don't know if the Mexican cheese comes back or not. But let's stay tuned. Let's wait and oh, see. I see, I see. So Lucius Taricius was the master of horse, and the dictator was Cincinnatus. He raised whatever troops he could that very same day, and on the next day he marched from Rome with this army that he just no training, just zero training. Wow. I think the Romans at that point were really badasses. I mean, think they, they were hard.
1: And they're probably just like, probably all of like these little tribes are just like Spartans, like where they were just they were all like, like, like being a man, like having a martial education is probably part of your life.
0: I think you're probably right. And when they weren't fighting, they were farming. So. They were farming. They weren't sitting on the rear ends. They were yeah. like scraping the earth and and planting and moving rocks, and they were tough. So. He took all these guys, his impromptu army, and he marched out. He marched out of the of the of the city to go encounter the Aquis and to relieve the Roman army that was besieged. Uh, by the way, the other thing he did was he collected all the able bodied men and he also asked them to gather encamping spikes. You know those massive wooden spikes yeah. that the Roman army would stick around one of their mobile encampments? Palisades, so that, Palisades exactly right. That's the word I was looking for. So all those stakes that they would use to build a palisade, he gathered all those out, and he marched out with the men. And he met the Aquis in Latium at a mountain called Mount Algadis. And things did not look good. Cincinnatus had a group of men that weren't necessarily the core of the army. The Aquis had the upper hand. But somehow...
1: So he had all the the militia, because the whole army had been surrounded. Yeah, he
0: basically had a militia. He basically had a militia and a bunch of wooden stakes, and he used the militia with those wooden stakes to pressure the Aqui's back. And with his master of the horse Lucius Tarquinius, somehow he managed to defeat the Aqui's, and he defeated them very quickly. Oh my god! Just like um.
1: Just like that movie that I'm thinking of, the the <laughs> this, um, the Mel Mel Gibson movie.
0: And where he's up in Scotland? Yeah. Yeah. Braveheart. With the stakes. Yeah. yeah, Braveheart. It was kind of, yeah. Wow. He went Braveheart. He went Braveheart in Mount Algadis against the Aquis. And then when he had every right to go crazy on them and to really wipe them out because these people threatened, uh, th- threatened the core of the Roman army, he was merciful. He grabbed the three leaders of the army. He executed them and he granted mercy to the rest based on one condition. He made them pass under the yoke, that was the expression, which is the Roman army made a tunnel of spears, and he made every single man of the conquered Aqui's crouch down and sort of crawl through this tunnel of spears to show their subjugation, to to show that they were truly um, uh, subservient to Rome, and they did. He took their leaders as prisoners back to Rome, and when he arrived, the Senate greeted him, and then, Matteo, he made his legend. He resigned. He he had been dictator for 16 days, and in 16 days, he he raised a makeshift army, grabbed some wooden stakes, marched up into the mountains, utterly defeated Rome's enemy, and then he returned to the city, resigned, and then he returned to his farm. That was the Battle of Mount Agadis, and that was Cincinnatus uh, appearing in the historical record at the age of 60. What a sigma. And it gets even better. 20 years more have passed. So he's 80. Or he's, he's 80. Dead. No, he's, he's not, 80. Oh, okay. He's alive. Okay. He's alive. So he's and already, he's, that's super rare.
1: That's like one in every hundred people yeah, get that old. Yeah.
0: Today, it's probably the equivalent of like 110 or more. Yeah. It's probably like one twenty. I mean think about it. Yeah. Eighty and five hundred BC. Or this is no, this is around four thirty BC. It's actually four thirty eight BC exactly, because according to the Roman historian Livy, who we discussed previously, there was more turmoil in Rome. There was a famine in Rome. There was a shortage of grain. And not just a shortage, but it was there was a scandal around the distribution of grain. Somebody was hoarding grain. And we still have this conflict between the plebeians and the patricians. And there was a man named Spurius Malleus, which is a fantastically great bad guy name. Isn't it?
1: Malleus, yeah. yeah. Sounds like some Star Wars thing, like Darth Malleus. Yeah, he's like, yeah Darth exactly. Ma- Darth <laughs> yeah, You're right. It's like yeah. Darth...
0: Malleus. Okay, he's Darth Malleus. So a guy named Darth Malleus was bribing the plebs to support him because rumors said that he wanted to become the next king of Rome. Remember, 438, the last king of Rome was ejected in 508, so 90 years or 80 years before.
1: No, 70, because he was born 10 years before. Hang on, so, let's do the math. 70, because he was born 10 years before. 70 years ago. But
0: 508 he was born. to 438
1: is he was 64. Years king, sorry,
0: 72 years. He was kicked
1: out. If he was born 10 years before.
0: Ah, he was born 10 years before, but. Tarquinius was kicked out in 508, and he was born in 518, and this is 538. So
1: 73... Yeah,
0: 72 years before. So we're getting hung up on that. Let's move on, let's move on. So, Darth Malleus was bribing the plebeians to help him win the kingship. There was no king. And how was he doing it? He had hoarded a ton of grain, and he was selling it to the poor at very, very cheap prices to get his support. Robin Hood. He was, yeah, he was pulling a Robin Hood, but not for good reasons. He wanted to be... Like uh, Pablo Escobar. Like Pablo Escobar? Yeah. He was buying his way into in the Congress or whatever. Yeah, I, I guess, I guess this is a tale as old as time as well. You know, nasty kind of warlord type thugs always try to buy the little people. That's sort of the populist handbook, and that's what Darth Malleus was. The Senate n- knew what was going on. They were very worried. And so the consul at the time, or the lead consul, his name was Titus Quintius Capitolinus Barbatus. So he was part of the Quintii clan. It's not Quintius? Maybe you're right. It sounds much better that way. Quintius. <laughs> yeah, you know what, that sounds a million times better. Okay, thank you so much. Titus Quintius, who was related to uh, Cincinnatus, who was also the Quinctius clan, had the Senate appoint his—it's either his nephew or his brother. It's got to be his brother. It couldn't be his nephew because his nephew, if if Cincinnatus was 80 years old, this guy would have been like 100. No. And there's no way. Yeah, there's no way. He there, there's no way. This is a little confusing in the historical record, but we've just determined that it must be uh, his brother. It can't be his nephew. So the Senate appoints. Cincinnatus as dictator once again, his second time as, as dictator. They sent another ambassador out to his farm. Cincinnatus accepted, came back into the city, and threw himself into action immediately. First, he garrisoned all the hills of the city, the Capitoline, the Aventine, uh, and the Palatine. He appointed a new master of the horse. And by the way, this has got to be one of the coolest names of all time. Gaius Servilius Structus Ahala. It sounds like well, he's, he's from Ethiopia, Or but crazy, crazy name. Ahala. So awesome. Ahala. Yeah, became, <laughs> definitely Arab. Became master of the horse. And Cincinnatus issued orders for Darth Malleus to appear before him. So he's like, listen, I've got you surrounded. I have all the hills of Rome garrisoned. I have guys at the gates. Darth Malleus show up and let's have a little chit-chat. And when Cincinnatus's men approached Malleus, Malleus pulled out a knife and threatened Ahala. Damn. And he fled into the crowd. Ahala is no one to be trifled with. He leapt into the crowd, pursued Darth Malleus and killed him. I don't know if with Malleus' own knife or with his own sword, but he pursued him and killed him right there in the forum, I think. In front of the crowds. So that was the end of the insurrection, but not the end of this story. Ahala was brought to trial for exceeding his authority and he was exiled. So the Romans, impressive, right? They stuck with the law. Good boys. Good boys. Cincinnatus resigned his dictatorship after 21 days. So this guy had complete and absolute power in the Roman Republic twice in his life and he kept it on the first time for 16 days, the second time for 21 days, and then he returned to his farm. An interesting little legend that's an asterisk to this story. Around this time, there was a man in Rome called Capitolinus, and he had a son in the military, and his son was accused of military incompetence. So I guess he was in the army, and he was accused of being a complete loser, (laughs) incompetent loser, and he was actually brought to trial. Imagine, these these guys didn't mess around. And Capitolinus testified at the trial, and he said, okay, you can convict my son, but if you do, who amongst you is going to be brave enough to go out to the farm and tell Cincinnatus about it? And you're going to break his heart. Now, I don't know what the connection was between the son and Cincinnatus, but apparently Cincinnatus was such a legend, and he was so revered, in Rome that the jury acquitted the coward because they didn't want to tell Cincinnati the bad news. Just what if there gives, was no connection? Maybe, I don't know, maybe there was no connection. I'm not entirely certain, but I thought it was kind of a cool story. So, Cincinnati is back on his farm. He died a few years later, around 430 B.C. He was 88 years old. Jeez. So, all of this He's crazy... He's a fossil, literally. Yeah. He was probably still there tilling the soil and turning over rocks. But if the last 28 years of his life were so unbelievably incredible, Mateo, imagine what the first 60 were like. He must have been pretty uh, glorious. must have been epic. Oh, that really sucks. But we're never going to know. We'll never know. But we know what he did from 60 to 88. That is Cincinnatus. The ancient Romans revered this man, and his legend resounded and recurred and was told through time. And in fact, his legend has had a huge impact on the United States of America. Did you know that? Really? Yes? Cincinnati. Cincinnati. So, yes. Curly heads. <laughs> yeah. Cincinnati, there is a city in the united states called a, a cincinnati wonderful city a one, how one do you know be, if it's one of the wonderful? best
1: cities but you've never been to cincinnati yeah no I, and i never want to go
0: oh oh. oh oh that's bad okay <laughs> to our listeners in cincinnati if there is any <laughs> i don't believe there are any today should we have any in the future forgive them <laughs> forgive mateo storm he did not mean what he just said but Beyond Cincinnati, which you're absolutely right, Cincinnati was named after Cincinnatus, we have something even more potent in sort of the American myth, which is George Washington. And I'm going I'm to draw this connection for you. So George Washington was the general of the Continental armies. And after victory over the British, he resigned his commission. He did not maintain military power. He resigned. And what did he do when he resigned after victory? Went back to his farm. He went back to his farm. He went back to Mount Vernon. And the same year that he went back to Mount Vernon, we're talking 1783, he accepted the chairmanship of a new society that was founded by his friend, Henry Knox. Do you remember Knox?
1: Yeah, good boy. Good boy, Henry Knox. Yeah, he he him and the Green Mountain Boys, they... Captured Fort Ticonderoga.
0: Exactly. Uh, And then they they dragged the artillery back to Boston and helped break the siege of Boston, right? Yep. So Henry Knox had founded this society called the Society of the Cincinnati, which was to look after Revolutionary War vets. And the motto of that society was Omnia Reliquit Servare Republicum, meaning he relinquished everything to save the Republic which was obviously about Cincinnatus, but it was also an allusion to George Washington himself. So Washington returned to his farm in 83. He was the head of this society of the Cincinnatus. And in 1789, his nation called again, and he was elected president in 1789. And he served two terms as president. And after the second term, when everyone wanted him to run again, because they could see no one else that could unite the 13 colonies in the manner in which Washington did, what did Washington say? Nope. He said nope. He refused to run again, and he retired again to his farm. 1789,
1: that's an odd number. Yeah, it is a weird number. No, like... Yeah, it it, is literally an odd number.
0: Yeah, if our election was in 2016, 2020... Are you asking me when we got on to even years for the electoral cycle? They just decided to not... No, had a five-year term.
1: Oh, I don't never know. mind. It was probably because like some
0: president like died. Yeah, someone was probably assassinated or died in office or something. Yeah, and we went on to an even schedule. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways, that was so. Washington was known in his life,
1: the American Cincinnatus, as the
0: American Cincinnatus. And if you go to our website, which is www.lostromanheroes.com... You're going to see a very unusual picture. It is uh, an image of a sculpture carved by an Italian sculptor called Canovo of George Washington as (laughs) Cincinnatus. What do you think about that? Role play. Does it look like George Washington? He has a massive forehead. It doesn't look a lot like Washington. First of all, he's he's he in it's very Latin. He's in Roman armor. He's clearly he's dressed as a, a sort of a Roman general. Uh, the face looks nothing like the Washington we know. Yeah, he uh, just looks like some Italian guy. He looks like a very cool Italian dude. He has a pen in his hand, and he has a scroll or a tablet in his in his left hand, and he's drawing on it. And this is Washington in Conovo's description: Washington penning his. Mm-hmm. Farewell address. So Washington, after he mm-hmm. decided he was not going to run for third term and he is retiring to his farm, that is Washington as Cincinnatus. Very cool stuff. No? That is really cool. So that is the life and times and the lasting legacy of Cincinnatus. Time to sum him up. And rank. So let's jump into the ranking, Mateo. And let's start out where we always start out. How big was Cincinnati's military success? I mean, a ten.
1: He was. He he managed to defeat uh, an army that was probably of a higher quality than his because he had just mustered a militia in a day's time and destroyed them.
0: You're a ten. I'm. I'm trying to like not. All right.
1: Maybe we shouldn't just give you like. 10s. Yeah, okay. 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 So this is what I'm thinking. The 10 is like if the city of Rome is like already like, uh, what's it called? Like the enemy's already through the gates. Yes. Kind of thing. Well, like, but it was still a good win. So, like, maybe. It was, no, mm -hmm.
0: great win. Let's say like five is average military success. Like, you're successful. Zero is you really suck. Ten is. Ten ten is you you save the world. Yeah. And so this guy is, is he. Seven? I'm thinking like I'm thinking seven eight. Seven? Yeah. seven? Okay. Let, let's go with seven since. We can only imagine what he did in the first six yeah, years. That's so. the problem. He probably did so very much more, and he probably deserves an eight or a nine, but we can only rank him based on what we know. So I'm with you. Seven. Two. What was his political success? Hmm.
1: A little hard to grade.
0: He wasn't a politician. He had, no he had no ambition. He wasn't a politician, but he could have been, potentially, a Caesar. He could have yeah. potentially made himself a king. And instead, he chose to preserve the republic, not once, but twice. He had absolute power, and he relinquished it as quickly as he possibly could, thereby strengthening this nascent republic that was Rome. I think it's very high.
1: Me too. And the fact that he's like still revered even by Americans. Yes, um, 1,800 years later or something like that. It's pretty Definitely. freaking crazy.
0: Pretty what? Freaking crazy. Uh, freaking crazy. Okay, sorry. Because we we decided we weren't going to use bad words on yeah. this podcast. Well, but freaking's yeah. okay. Yeah. So, extremely high. So, is it a nine or is it a ten? I feel like ten is has to be Let's like... say nine because you had no ambition. If
1: you had like an ambition and then like he accomplished it then it could have been a ten but I'm going to say yeah. a nine.
0: So, I'm going to agree with you because he didn't build, but he didn't take away. He He preserved. Yeah. Okay. So let's give him a a 9. Cool hero factor, I'm going 10. Because for me, Cincinnatus is like (laughs) topping the charts. The guy is really cool. On the farm, people show up, wife bring me my toga, goes and kicks ass. He's so sigma. Saves the world. At 6 years old. And goes back and plants tomatoes.
1: At 6 years old.
0: Yeah, I'll give him a ten too. I feel good about this ten. And so now, Cincinnati's impact. So we've been talking about people that were instrumental in establishing Rome, establishing this republican concept in Rome. He did not do that. But what is his lasting impact? And in in my mind democracy. The peaceful transfer of power, for me, it's more than democracy, because we have people that were responsible for establishing the republic, but this is about, my job is done, I'm, I'm going to give up power because that's what the law yeah. says I must do. Yeah, pretty virtuous. Pretty timely, wouldn't you say, Mateo? Yeah. yeah,
1: for sure. Something that a lot of people could learn from today.
0: Many, many people, and we're not going to name any names. You're very far away from the mic. Could you roll yourself back in a little bit this, closer? This conversation is making me <laughs> <comfortable>. <laughs> I'm not talking about anybody in particular, but I think his impact is, is exceptionally huge. It, it's all about respecting not just elections, but respecting the law. I've been given power to do a certain thing. That time is over, and I'm giving the power back. I think that's huge. I think he deserves a tenure. Are we overgrading this guy? Okay, I, I'm going to give it. What? I, I mean, I don't think so. I don't think so either. Okay. If
1: you're a hero, you're going to have a high score. You know okay. what I mean?
0: I think he's a 10. But you know what? In terms of coolness... Maybe like an 8. And
1: yeah. eight's a
0: great score. Uh, yeah, 8 is a great score. You're going to take him down in coolness? If 10 is perfect... 10 is perfect. 8 must be really cool. So impact I mean? can't be 10. It, but it's very high. Or is impact 10? So I think impact is actually... this is He is the pinnacle of... Of the responsible steward of government. So I personally think he deserves a 10 in impact. Uh, coolness. We don't have a lot about him like in the field. What did he actually do? Like w- we have little in the way of details. So I'm thinking of maybe He's downgrading. Still, he, was a, he was
1: a badass though, you know. He like, was I'm saying very much eight. a badass. He's a, the silent You're guy. You're saying that, eight? A silent guy okay. that they just call upon.
0: I'm gonna go for a nine in coolness. And in terms of political, Are we okay with these scores? Hmm. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. Okay. I think I'm okay with it. Okay, we're gonna stick with these scores. Cincinnatus just rocked it, everyone. So Cincinnati received a 69 out of 80 in percentile that is an eighty-six percent. He is just crossing over into B plus territory, not quite there. I think he deserves that. I feel I'm okay with that. Yeah. And finally, does Mr. Cincinnatus Mr. Curly Hair belong in Mr. Curly Hair. Does he belong in the Hall of Heroes, Matteo? For sure, a hundred percent. He yeah. definitely belongs like in the Hall legend. of Heroes. He is a legend that belongs there, and he is the second person in the Hall of Heroes. The first is L.J. So we have L.J. in Cincinnatus.
1: Cincinnatus, he's like in like a, a different echelon, though. You know, like he's like I, he's a hero like outside of just Roman history. Just in yes, history.
0: he is. He is somebody that's transcended Roman history and is a part of. Our everyday life. Yeah. And he absolutely deserves it. Congratulations, Cincinnatus. You're not going to clap? For, yeah, a little clap for Cincinnatus. And that is that. Congratulations, Cincinnatus. Uh, we move on to one last bit about him, which is this is a tough one. In alternative history, what would the world have been without Cincinnatus? So, Rome is a republic. We have no Cincinnatus. How might the history of humankind have evolved with that might have i mean
1: there's a few different outcomes i mean rome could have possibly um possibly fallen under the hands of a king once again if cincinnatus was never there to quell the rebellion uh not the rebellion Mm -hmm. but the the uprising the grain guy yeah the the grain dealer Yeah, yeah you know or Rome Darth could, Mo, Darth yeah. Darth
0: uh, Malleus. Malleus.
1: Or um, Rome could have fell to the Aquiles. I forgot what they're called. Yeah. Uh, the history of the world. I guess with these early guys, it's all kind of the same, mostly. You know, Rome would have never, maybe, would have never turned into this big powerhouse, and we'd all be speaking Ar- um, a- a- Arabic. Or or or, or maybe. <laughs>
0: There's that or maybe this concept of the Republic would not have become so enshrined, and you wouldn't have had five years of five hundred years of republican virtues uh, that would have been so firmly ingrained in 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 history, lore, and law that it would have transcended the Roman Empire and gone, and, to, you know, and, and gone to exactly possibly. right so maybe his selfless acts were able to fortify, reinforce this concept of Republican virtue that lasts, for better or for worse, on some days better than others, in our world today. I agree with you. That's big. So, thank you, Cincinnatus. And it's time to move on to our finale and wrap up. First of all, I'd like to thank, we would like to thank our listeners. And amongst our listeners, we have new countries that are popping up every week, which is extremely exciting. Last week, we gave a shout-out to Colombia, and Colombia still deserves a shout-out. But this week, we have a few new, interesting little countries. Mm -hmm. Not little countries, I did not mean little. We have very few listeners, sorry, sorry, (laughs) sorry. We have very few listeners in those countries, and so our footprint is little, but the countries are grand. And number one on the list for me, which I really love to see, was Jamaica, man. Jamaica. We have one download in Jamaica. Thank you so much. Please keep listening, Jamaica, and share it with your friends. We one, have one love. One love. We have one download in the UK, two in Germany. That's pretty exciting. Thank you so much, and, and please spread the word. We'd like to, as a regular part of the podcast, share one or two of our favorite reviews. And, Mateo, I'd, I'd like you to read the first one.
1: You have resurrected lost heroes. So impressive, the repertoire between father and son and their own personal take on such an extremely fascinating chapter of Rome, myth or real. Marvelous, lighthearted exchange between this duo, each contributing their individualistic evaluation of a puzzling piece of a segment of Roman history. Myself as a listener of this dialogue, whether by design or not, they made me feel I was in the room with them. I appreciate that. I was so engaged in this discussion. hope you do more of this. Yoda a gunner.
0: Oh, Yoda gunner. <laughs> that That's a great one. That's a great one. All right, I want to read one too, which I just stumbled across. I thought it was so cool. This is by, okay, this person left their full name. I don't know if they intended to, so I'm not going to say the full name. I'm, going, I'm just going to use the first name, which is William. One for the ages in the future. Who knew Roman history could be so fun and engaging, peopled by the likes of Hector from Cuba and Paris Hilton? The hosts are third and fourth generation all-things-Rome geeks. This podcast will serve well the fifth generation of their family, but in the meantime, it will keep the rest of us learning and laughing. Matthew and Mateo evidence mutual respect and a deep passion for history, asking probing questions and making intriguing connections but they also display an irreverent curiosity and a 21st century plugged-in sensibility. William, that is awesome. And I would like to think that I have a 21st century plugged-in sensibility. You definitely do.
1: Something like that.
0: Something like that. So amazing reviews. Please keep them coming because they really help us. The more reviews we get, the better the podcast pops up in the iTunes search results. So... Those are extremely, extremely valuable. Also valuable is the feedback that you're giving us. So please continue to give us feedback. We get emails, we get posts, and we love it. And that is it for this episode. Next week, we have another big episode on Mr. Marcus Furious Camillus. Does that ring any bells for you? Is this supposed to? <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, but we're gonna do some research, and next week should be fun. This is he gonna also b- pretty old, jeez. Yeah, he is gonna blow your mind. So, thank you so much, everyone. This is Matthew
1: and Matteo.
0: Signing off, and we'll see you next week. <quick>